This is a shear on Likut Sichus, Chelek Tesayin. Wow, Baruch Shem, a new Chelek. Sicha of Shmois, the fourth Sicha. Short, short Sicha, full of, uh, wow. Okay, in Pasuk, the Pasuk says, Vayemer Aleim Melech Mitzrayim. So this is after Meshach Rabbeinu approached Pare and he said, let my people go. So Melech Mitzrayim says, Loma Meshach V'yaren. Why Meshach V'yaren? Tafriyu Sa'omi Maisav. Do you disturb the people from their work? Go to your labors. So our sages, our medayek, they look at this word and they say, he could have just said, why are you bothering them? But he didn't just say that, he gave him an instruction. Go to your labors. It says to your labors. In other words, Moshe and Aaron's unique work. It doesn't say, um, let them go to their work. Like, it would continue. He said, Moshe and Aaron, why are you disturbing the people from their work or from his work as, as the nation, the collective? Let them go to their work. It doesn't say that. It also doesn't say, let them go to their labors, the other word. It says sechem. And both of these both of these words, Ma'asov or Sivlaisam, are words that are used either right before or right after. So there's clear that this word being used to tell Meshra go to the labors is actually addressed to them. Go to your labors. So from this we deduce, Rashi learns that, Ramban learns that that Shevet Levi was not obligated in doing the backbreaking work. The Ramban explains. See, Rashi says that um, that uh, go go home and do your work at home. And the Ramban says, yeah, it uh, sounds like labors. Who labors at home? But the Ramban says, no, going to do your work at home can be referred to also as some as labors. But the Ramban says, so Rashi just goes as far as to say that um, you see that Moshe and I are walking around, so obviously they, they were not enslaved in that same way by doing backbreaking work. The Ramban goes further to say that they actually had unique labors of a different nature. He says, it's minig b'cholam. Ramban says, it's the custom by, all, by every nation, that there are wise people that teach them their Torah. You know, we know Torah as being our Torah, Torah given from Hashem. Torah also means their teachings, their instructions. Every nation knows that they need to have people of the spirit, people of leadership, people of moral clarity. And that's why Paroi had kept the Shevet Levi as being those people and uh, freed them from being enslaved in building cities because they were the elders and the wise people of the Eden. And even Paroi understood that every people needs its leadership, its spiritual leadership. And that's why when Paroi says, go to your labors, he meant your labors which you are obligated to service the Jewish people. What, what labors is that? The labor of teaching and being the teachers of being instructors to the Jewish people, teaching them the Torah and so on. In other words, Moshe and Aaron, Pare, incredulously, is telling Moshe and Aaron, hey, don't disturb the people from what they're doing. They're building cities. They're working hard for me. And go ahead and do your job. Your job is to teach. You can either even teach the people. But don't try and change radically what the people are doing. So Paro is not just saying, you go and learn for yourselves. 
you go and even do the job, the labor that you have on behalf of the Jewish people, which is to be a voice of inspiration to them, of leadership to them, but don't try and radically change their way of life. They have to live in this country. In this country, I'm the power, and I'm telling them they got to work and work hard, build cities, be enslaved to me. I'm not disturbing you from learning. Go and learn and even teach. But not to the point where you want to get them to stop doing their work, their main work, which is being enslaved to me. Interesting, just even before we go further, it's an interesting concept. We have to think about it. That Pari, I guess, was, was really wanted to enslave the people, but he also wanted to get some kind of value from them. And even a Pari understands you need people of, of the spirit. You need people of, 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 of leadership, people that are going to give them, hold them together, hold the people together. Sure, there's much to be thought about about this. Let's continue here. Base. Zoya says that Chochmat's Mitzrayim, the wisdom of Egypt, was to use the words of the Zoya, Yoiser Mikol Ha'elam. It was more than the entire world. They were the they were the in the at the lead of the pack in terms of the wisdom of the world. And therefore, Paloi, who was himself leader of the great and 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 wise people of Egypt kingdom of Egypt. So obviously what he's saying is not totally um, clueless. It, doesn't, it must make sense in the way the world thinks. And here's why. Let's think about the position the Jewish people were in. Naturally, there was no way they could free themselves from the enslavement of Egypt. As Chazal tells us, no slave was ever able to escape Egypt. It was ironclad. You couldn't escape. More than that, Hashem had already said 400 years are going to be in Egypt. So, in a sense, even spiritually, where are they going to run? They're not going to have godly backing. They know that they're, they're locked in here. And that's what Paris is telling them. Moshe and Aaron, what are you trying to change the nature of events? Hashem has a plan here. You go back, you teach, study, teach your regular lessons that you teach them. But let the Jews plod along in the way that the world is going. I'm their parrot, their slaves. Don't try and start talking to them about ridiculous concepts and notions of freedom. Now, just in case that threw you off, one second, Pare has a, has a good point. Uh, I mean, Hashem has said, they're going to be in, 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 in enslaved. So why is... Moshe Rabbeinu coming now and talking about going out of Egypt early. So for, the Rebbe right away gives us in Ha'ara 13, Turnus Rufus had this discussion, the wicked Turnus Rufus had this discussion with Rabbi Akiva, he said, does your God love poor people? He says, yeah. So why does he make them poor? And if so, in the continuation of the Gemara, he says, why are you trying to change Hashem's plan? Why try to? God knows what he's doing. He made some people poor. Why are you giving tzedakah, taking them out of the poverty? Well, we know that that's a wrong time. Shem makes them poor in order for us to have the mitzvah of giving tzedakah, right? Anyway, so leave that on the side. So just because Pare has saying, didn't Hashem say they're going to be in, in, in exile for 400 years? So what, what are you trying to change things? Ah, because Hashem wants us to try and change things, as we're going to see. So the answer to that is that even though it seems like he has a good point, 
But that's what Paroi says. And if you would listen to him, God forbid, we would have missed the chance of the redemption. Why? It's known that the Gula needed to be in a hasty way because if the Yidin would have stayed even one more, like an eye blink more, a head of fine, in Egypt, there couldn't have been the redemption. It was only through the fact that they had not listened to Paroi and Moshe Rabbeinu proceeded with his plan to tell the Yidin, press on, we're going free. But one second, didn't we just say that Al-Piseichel, there, there, there was a time, a at a point, the Jews couldn't escape, and more than that, there's a 400-year prophecy that Hashem has said, a decree, that they're going to be in, in, in exile. Yeah, but Hashem recalculated. It's called delay galakets. Hashem jumped over the allotted end time, and he started counting from the birth of Yitzchak. So they got out much earlier. So imagine if you would have listened to Pare the way it looked like from his perspective. Ah, nothing to talk about. And Moshe would have, God forbid, retreated. No, Moshe had to be listening to Hashem. And Hashem said, you make the efforts to take my people. Ultimately, what, what we thought was going to be a longer stay, Hashem said, the time has come. And if the people are ready to run out, he recalculated. And we left when we left. There's a very important message here. The message here is, Gimel, a person shouldn't think, I'm learning Torah. I'm saving myself. I'm taking care of. Especially even once, once in a while, I give a shear. Give a shear to other people. Why is it so relevant to me how another Jew is conducting his life? Is he doing mitzvahs? Or God forbid not. Is he giving his faculties and his powers to Hashem? Or is he giving his energies to Pare? For physical, material things. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place. I'm in a good zone. I'm spiritually inclined. I'm studying. I'm giving, you know, a token class here and there. Says the Rebbe in square brackets. What's so bad in giving your efforts to material things? Materials? It's not so bad. It says, Gashmius, when it sits on its own, without the vitality, without the godly intent, the godly chayas in it, it's just like building what the Egyptians were building, Pisaim and Ramses, those two cities, Cities of Pari and Chazal tell us that the reason they're called Pisim and Ramses is because Ramses is from the expression of that Rishon, Rishon, Misroises. It would, um, uh, city by city, as they were building it, um, as they were building it, it was collapsing. Ramses, everything that built collapsed, Misroises, like collapse, one after the other. And Pisim is Pitahim, means the, the mouth of the abyss. That one after the other, they were swallowed by the abyss. So, when, when something is just material, when it's just a paroic thing, it doesn't really have a longevity. That's when you see somebody, God forbid, putting all his effort just into materialism, which is of no substance. So you have to know it's not enough to save yourself and not, and, and, and not be involved with that person to try and lead him to freedom, to, to the promised land, get him out of the constraints, out of the personal Egypt is in. You have to know that this was, Pare said, don't mix into somebody else's business. Go and do your business. For you it's enough, you're learning Torah. Why are you so caught up with how another person is living his life? But that's not the way Moshe and Aaron look at things. And they didn't listen to Pari. And here's the rationale why we need to not sit by passively when somebody else 
is not going on the right path. Just like when there's a fire, God forbid, in a, in a Jewish house. Nobody's going to say, well, maybe I don't have to save the other guy from the fire. I mean, I'm going to mix into that other guy's business. Everybody has his way of living life. If they want to live their life with, you know, with a fire going on, that's fine. I'm going to mix in and get involved when there's a fire. Of course, it's simple that that's ridiculous. When anybody sees a fire, they get involved. There's no time for discussion, no time for thinking back and forth, whether it fits the Mayab culture, mind your own business culture. You got to right away jump in and save, your, save the other guy. You see a fire, you jump in and you save who you can. That's when it's talking, the way we act, when it's talking about physical life, how much more when we're talking about physical and spiritual life together. Um, interesting. Why is it physical and spiritual life together? Look at the Sifri in Teitzei Chavgimel Ches and Rashi. What does Rashi say there? We'll come back to it, I'll look at it later. But why, when, when you're trying to save somebody else's spiritual and physical life, coupled in one, hello, you got to obviously do everything to save him from the abyss. You can't start thinking, listen to Pare, don't mind your own business, well, save yourself. So we just have to realize when somebody else is not in the right path, it's like there's a fire, God forbid. You have to try and find ways to be able to open their eyes. Dalit. The Rebbe says, my father-in-law, said in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, the previous Rebbe, said in the name of the Baal Shem Tov, that the obligation of Avas Yisrael to love a fellow Jew applies not just to a Jew that you know, you're acquainted with. This love has to be even to a Jew that's in the other end of the world. These days we can know Jews in the other end of the world with Zoom, with WhatsApp call, with, right, with all those things. Baal Shem Tov saying this in a, almost 300 years ago, Love for a Jew in the other end of the world. You, you have no idea who he is. And the love has to be not just love with some kind of limitation. Or kamaycha, like you love yourself, which is limitless. We don't, there's no boundaries in how we love ourselves. That's how we have to love a fellow Jew. And the Rebbe taught, that the Mezitcha Magid wished himself, that he wishes, halavai, he would kiss the Sefer with the same kind of love and endearment that the Rebbe, the Baal Shem Tev, had to a fellow Jew. And the Rebbe added, in the name of the Magadav message, that if the Baal Shem Tov, being in this world, would know what he knows now, how much is achieved through his nearness and love to fellow Jews, if he would know now, what he, if he would know then, while he was living in this world, what he knows now, in his place, he would have done it in a totally different way. So the Magadav is saying, I wish I kissed the Sefer with as much love as the Baal Shem Tov showed for a fellow Jew. So he was at the... Can you imagine? We kissed the Torah with absolute love. That's the way he treated every Jew. And yet, what he knows now would make his love, if he was here, be even more intense. It's incredible. And this Ava, after Lech this love your fellow as yourself, has to express itself just like by yourself. Kamaycha, we know. When Pari says, go to your job, we, you know about yourself that the best thing for yourself is studying and studying Torah and doing the right thing, davening and so on. That's how you have to feel about somebody else. Don't deprive somebody else of that. You have to have, bring somebody else into that ultimate, ultimate good. 
And since Hashem doesn't come, Bitrunia doesn't come with any. Um, how are we going to translate Bitrunia? Shem does not make impossible demands on his creations, so therefore it's certain that Hashem has given everything we need in order to achieve to help our friend. We just have to know that you're not allowed to delay this, not for a week, not for a day, not even for an eye blink. Because it could be that in one blink of an eye, it's going to make all the difference, like it did in Mitzrayim. Are you going to stay in Golos, God forbid, and stay in exile? Or are you going to be redeemed? So you got to go get to it right away. And this is the teaching, hey, this is the teaching regarding the, those that are fortunate to be found in the tent of Torah. Also, Yeshiva Bochrim, and all Jews that are in the shaft of light. In other words, if you're in a place where you know the light, you know the truth, when you see somebody else who his spiritual situation is not the way it should be, it's not light enough, so one shouldn't talk themselves into the notion, I've saved myself, I'm okay. And now I will my own, my own business now. Especially because Jews are all one body. So when there is a lack of wholesomeness in Torah Mitzvah by a second Jew, it's really a lack to the collective. So, that doesn't say this here, but I'm just thinking of the well-known example, you drill a hole in your boat. You can't just say, leave me alone, I'm drilling a hole under my seat, I paid for my seat. No, 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 it's affecting the collective. Torah tells, says about Yidin, you are standing here before Hashem, the leaders of your tribes, and all the way down the totem pole of hierarchy, from the woodchoppers to the water drawers, that was a different class at that time of Jewish people. It wasn't just a different occupation. So you have all the gamut of the Jewish community. And you're all together. You're all responsible for each other. It gets even better than this because when soldiers line up in a parade and line up in a, in a, in, before the king, the way things work is that if one of the simple foot soldiers doesn't have properly shined buttons in his uniform, they come and they, the demand is made not just, the complaint is not just to that soldier, but mainly to the leadership, to the officers. Why has he not taught his Soldiers, that they should uh, be taught how to be prepared to stand in front of a king. So we have to know that we're standing today before Hashem. The question is not just what the woodchoppers and water doors, what the lower strata of the community is up to. But the same question, everyone's together, the Rashaykh, and what's with the leadership? And they're not going to be able to say, well, I was busy with myself. That's not an answer. That's not an answer. Hashem expects you to be responsible for others. Like Moshe Aaron. Pari says, go and do your own thing. Don't worry about the people. No, no, no. Hashem says, you got to worry about the people. And when Yidin will conduct themselves like one complete body, all the Jews together, from the heads till the woodchoppers and water drawers, then we will come, become like one bundle, one, one group. Then we'll, we, it, we say in Davening, we'll all become one aguda, one um, one um, one bundle. Last is saying, "Chavlev of Shalim," and we'll all be able to do Hashem's will with a whole heart, and that will lead to the schus. It will be Hashem Echadus Meichad. So Mashiach will come. Basically, I want to just run back. I'm going to take out the Chumash Rashi Shantes Tes.
Because the Rebbe said that if you have to take care of you the Gashmi, if there's a fire, you have to go and save him. Much more so when it's Elam Haza and Elam Habe tied in one. So where is the Rebbe sending us to? Teitse, Chav Gimel, Parsha Chav Gimel. Let's go to Parsha Teitse, Chav Gimel, Rashi Sham Tes. I don't see it. I'm thinking it's. I'm thinking. You know what? I'm not sure. Let's see. There's another quote. But Metzil, I'm giving on Alpha Mishnah. Let's see what's the Mishnah. Again, I'm, I'm going back to Ha'ara 18, footnote 18. The Rebbe said that there's Elam Haza and Elam Haba, much more so when we about a mitzvah, it's Elam Haza and Elam Haba in one. What's the Rebbe referring to? The Mitzilam and Gimel Aleph, the Mishnah. So we have the Halacha. Ah! Avedosa, the Halacha is like this. If there's an Aveda, the lost object, and of your father and of your teacher. Who do you give it to? You give your teacher first, because your father brought you, if you find the lost object, your father brought you to this world. And your teacher brought you to the world to come. Ta-da-da-dum! So I'm not sure, but if your if your father was your teacher, so he brought you to world to this world and to the next world. I'm not sure. Anyway, sorry, I'm gonna have to look into this. <laughs> All the best. If any of you listening to this has any information for me, please share it. Rabbi at the Jewish Thailand dot com. Like it.